You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. All right, so today is a very big day, a really big day, at least for me, I'll put it that way, or for me and Toby. So I'm in a band called Matt and Toby. And it's one of the really three or four things that I do, maybe four or five things I do, that makes up my income and my job and and what I do. My whole career at this point is doing a few podcasts and a couple of bands. That's really uh, what I do. And not a single one of those things uh, could really support, help me support my family. My wife does work, by the way. But even to make up my income, uh, none of those things individually do it really at all. But all of them together kind of do or is working and working better and better all the time this project matt and toby is something that we started doing because we had music that didn't really fit on emory albums and we wanted to release it and keep working on it and things like that and we put out an album on tooth and nail a few years ago and it did really well but we were not disciplined and we were busy and did other things and haven't followed up with it or done that much with it in a few years. So we used to do a bunch of living room shows for Matt and Toby, but at this point, we are out on the road. In fact, today's the first show of our tour with the Classic Crime, and so you can find tour dates there. Come and see us. We're on the road today. So I think we're in Nashville today, and ClassicCrime.com for that. And so we're doing these shows and this music Uh, on tour for the first time and the reason we're doing that is because we have a new album and the new album is available for pre-order today so today is the day the first day that anybody gets to hear what we've been working on on this new album that is virtually complete Uh, we're still in mixing and changing some arrangements here and there but we've half of most of it's mixed and about ready to go to master so what's interesting about this is we funded the project ourselves. we didn't crowdfund it um we just paid the money, spent the money, and have recorded the project, and today is the day that the pre-order opens up. And so it is a very big deal to me, and I'm asking people to please consider buying this music. So we're going to talk about Toby's on the show today, and we're going to talk about the album and goof off a little bit, and we're going to premiere a song. So this will be the first time that the world has heard a song. The song's called uh, Pastor Stop By. Uh, The album is called I Quit Church. And it's full of songs that Toby and I have done at churches. We've both led worship and done hymns. And some of them are quite beautiful old hymns that we love and have arranged. And we decided to put some of them in a record as well as some uh, original songs. And The Pastor Stopped By is one of those original songs. And this is my favorite one from the record, at least at this point. And uh, we're playing some of those songs live on tour. Now, anybody that pre-orders the record can get some of the songs right away so even i think we're going to give even unmastered you know raw versions of these mixes where we're at right now as of today away or maybe they're polished i don't know at this point but we are going to give you a couple of songs right away to anybody that pre-orders the record at all you'll get them instantly and then you will still get the record early before release date and uh that is a big deal because the pre-order time is how we make money now we didn't crowdfund or anything And when release date comes, it'll be out on Spotify. So this is our window to try to sell units of an album, digital, vinyl, those kinds of things. So it's quite important to us. And I want uh, 
guilt trip you any more than that. I don't even mean to be guilt tripping you. I'm just trying to explain how it works for me and for us. But I'm very proud of this album. It is is really, really something. And you, you'll make your own determination about that. But if you do like it, I would ask you to consider purchasing the music instead of just streaming it. But please do stream it by all means when it comes out too. No issue there. You do what suits you and I'll do what suits me and we'll all get along just fine. But uh, today's the Today's the first day on it. But I'll tell you what, uh, if you use the promo code DOWN, you go to mattandtobyband.com and use the promo code DOWN, D-O-W-N, and you can get 15% off of whatever you get there at the pre-order. So, I mean, a digital album's cheap enough, and now you can get 15% off right away and get two of the tracks way before the release, and we'll still send you the whole release early before it's on Spotify or in stores, which it will be. Um, by, by all means, if you like buying music in stores this one will be distributed and you should be able to find it in the store on the release date, which I don't even know what the release date is as of this moment. And there you go. So I think you'll enjoy this episode. And then I ask, come out and see us on on doing these shows. I think they're going to be really good. Now, today's show is brought to you always by Broadcast Supply Worldwide, bswusa.com. Get your podcast gear there. Get your microphones, get your XLR cables, get your mixers, get your interfaces, and call them up and ask them, what interface should I use? How should I connect to Skype? They're great people, good company. It's where I get my stuff, and you should too. 10% off any of the podcast gear you get there if you use my promo code DOWN, D-O-W-N. And additionally, Joey Sturgis Tones, awesome, awesome company makes audio software and plugins that are, I mean, as low as $39 for some very specific plugins that you will find useful as I do. And that's joeysturgistones.com. And oh, sorry, you get 20% off too, just because you listen to this show. And that's if you use the promo code podcast20 at joeysturgistones. Okay, go to mattandtobyband.com and see our pre-order packages. Come see us on tour. Here we go. Thank you, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 Yeah! shoot off the wing of the plane the wing of the plane break off and fly off in the distance i know we're gonna die right yeah do i start screaming do i do i leave the window open or closed do i tell others what do you mean close the window do i want to see go down do i want to look in do i want to watch going down or i'd rather just i can't even watch that that none of those things would enter into your mind in that situation at all yeah <laughs> Shit. sorry babe She's going to call you right back. I'll tell her I'm podcasting. Leave me alone. I'm podcasting. I'm podcasting. Also, I want a divorce. (laughs) (laughs) Did you get the divorce papers? So you think you, I mean, if you had, first of all, if the plane. Are we starting? Yeah, we're rolling. Um, (laughs) I'm a noob. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) If the plane wing 
flew off, you wouldn't think anything because you would be the no, second of no, the no, wing no, no. flying off. You are the, wrong. The physical. You are way wrong. The g force on your body would be in some weird, crazy spin. You nope. would be nothing but glued to or locked to or already slammed against the wall. And that, I mean, it, it would be okay. pure right. physical trauma yeah. instantly. All right. So maybe the wing doesn't fly off, but I see some, the engine go wrong or something. And I start saying, oh, shit, we're going So down. the pilot <laughs> says, guys, we're out of fuel. There's nothing we can do. No, does, that's what I'm we saying. We will be does, in a nosedive. Does in two the pilot minutes. tell you? When the, when the plane goes down, does the pilot even tell you? Do you want to know? No, like, if no. you didn't see the wing fall off, and you just, like, if I guess you would go, oh, this is really bad turbulence. Oh, no, something's really bad. But maybe you would have hope. You know what I mean? But yeah. if somebody said the wing fell off, you would go, there is no hope. Right. The last minute of my life will be sheer terror uh -huh. and horror, and it will end in death. Yep. Do you want to know that? No. Right. No. So, I mean, that's, I was just thinking, though, would I... If you could watch yourself go all the way down, straight down, like if you start doing the one mile drop or whatever uh -huh. it is, you know, I don't know if it's one mile, but how many ever, you're, it's your 30,000 30, feet drop, would you, if you could, would you watch it or not? No, if you if you had any kind of presence of mind, let's say you were a Buddhist monk and you were the most centered person on earth, you go, cool, I get to do that free uh, anti-gravity right. thing for the last two minutes of my life, you swimming around the cockpit, is what you do. This ain't so bad. Like, yeah, I've, always to go to do, I've always wanted to do that zero G thing, and here we go. I mean, enjoy these last three minutes. Okay, what it, you'd say. but if you saw something bad happen, like both engines kind of fire started shooting out of them, right? You're not going down yet, but fire shooting out. Do you tell people... Or what do you do? No, everybody's in default mode is 100% what can I do to survive is the right. only thoughts that would occupy your mind in any way. Is anything you could do that could help you survive. Do you think you That's would, all you could possibly I thought, consider. My first thought would be... I. I would, would survival would be the only thing. Do you think mind. there's a parachute on the plane? You would think, could I fly? Can I flap my arms fast enough? What if I take the seat cover off and my jacket make an Heard umbrella? About that woman that fell what if and I landed in trees this, and lived? Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. Could I dive out and head for a lake? What I mean, that's what you you know. Th those might be the only thoughts you could think if you could even think them, but probably none whatsoever. I I just think I would I I think I would have to watch fall myself falling. Like if I could look oh. down and go, okay, well I got to at least see that. I shut the window of turbulence. It's now, how much uh, do you think, like, crashing into the earth, you probably would die instantly, right? So you wouldn't really feel that much pain. But, I mean, the terror of going down is worse than any pain you probably Well, what about this, though? Like, uh, Joey always talks about uh, annihilation might be one second of just hell. Like, uh -huh. You get one second of hell. Would that be what, like, landing is? Like, you, there, is there a millisecond of the most pain you've ever felt and no. then it's gone? No. You don't even get to feel the pain? No. I mean, no, because, first of all, even when you have bad trauma to your body, you don't really feel the pain. Even people that have been conscious and That's had true. like bitten by a shark, I mean, that of course is more painful than blunt force trauma of a plane crash. And they don't really remember it as it was hurting so bad while they were your fighting body the naturally. shark. Yeah, yeah. So you don't do that. And secondly, you, pain is almost only something that you, that you experience alongside anxiety and dread and those kinds of things. So that part would be really – the dread and the anxiety of the pain and what's happening is, right. would be the what you would actually be saying is the pain. Plus, at the moment you were having the pain, you're dead. So it doesn't even matter. That's true. It's just nothing to it. Yeah, like Maybell tore her – our dog tore her ACL, and she has had no anxiety right. or anything about it. That's it's right. Just, I mean, she can't move her back hind leg mm -hmm. right now. But Andy, our bass player and singer – Tore his uh, Achilles and that, it was he lives devastating. In, every day he's afraid of that. Right, he deals with that every single day and that anguish. You know, so in humans they say, and I read this in a Temple Grandin book about the lost in translation. Uh, oh, Temple Grandin, animals, yeah, yeah. animals in translation. The you know the, the yes the okay. lady she had like autism. Yeah, or she's something, autistic yeah. animal lady, whatever. But um, 
she explains it really well, but that a- animals don't couple fear with pain. Like if you hit a dog in the face real bad, he just goes, what? like it, the second after the second happens, the pain's less, 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 less. And right. they've moved on. They're just in the because they're in the present. They don't dog. They don't. They don't think in dread or what could this mean? Do I have a broken face now? Do I need to go? To right. the they just well I get busted in the face. Moving on, and so it's really the anxiety that's way worse than the pain. And you can you can uh, that's illustrated really well with certain types of acute pain that you can feel that don't bother you at all, such as popping a zit. Yeah, that hurts unbelievable, and you're totally fine with it because you know what it right. is and there's no there's nothing bad like if you had the pain of what it feels like when you're having a, a zip actually pop, feels kind of good well but that's only the same as a tattoo because you know what it is right so if if you if that, that you take that acute pinch pain of while you're squeezing a zit if you felt that let's say uh on the back of your head for no reason you had no idea what that was caused by yeah. you would first of all you would you would describe it as one of the worst pains you've ever felt right. and you would be absolutely <laughs> terrified and say I think I'm going to die I need to go to the yeah. doctor something wrong with my brain I mean it would be an, an experience that you could not imagine if you had that exact sensation detached from the fact that you know you were popping a zit yeah so if you just the just the nerve nerve sensation that you experience there is bad but you it's totally under control you totally know what it is and it's not that big of a deal yeah, just that, because that's why you know I always thought for sure like the uh, cuz I have a little bit of hypochondria like because something happens on the inside of me, I think it's going to kill that's me. That's right. Yeah. If it happened on the outside, like you I, could just I, look I cut at myself it, so, yeah. and I go, "Oh, that's not that big of a deal." It's probably way worse than felt, what's actually happening it, inside. If you but, felt that under your fourth rib, you would be. I know. It would. You would describe the pain itself yeah. as unbearable. Yeah. But if you cut yourself with a, you know, fish hook while you're baiting a hook and you knew what was going on, you go, "Oh well, that hurts," but it doesn't matter. How many times in your life have you something happened in your body and you went, "I'm dead." Uh, not many. I'm yeah. pretty good about that. I would say five to ten times a year. For me. <laughs> <laughs> There's five to ten times a year where something happens. It's not that crazy. Uh, and and maybe I've even experienced it before, but I go, well, this is it. I'm probably dead. Yeah. I mean, this is the one. I, I had a good run. I Now that I'm older, I have to tell myself... Had a good run. It's not that bad. If you die now, what? I mean, you can't really complain. Like that's how I make myself feel. <laughs> I make myself feel more comfortable because I used to be like, "Oh no, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die." Now I go, "I, I mean, I made it to 41. A lot of people don't get that. Yeah. Look at the life I've lived. Wow, praise you know, Lord, yeah. I, I, I can handle this. You can handle it if you go from here. Yeah, yeah. Like if I die now, I can't. I really can't complain. What? What? I mean, what do I? Have, I mean, maybe I get another 40 years. But like, here's the sad part about being 41 right now. I really realized. I think quality of life, I maybe have about 25 good years left. I think you can be yes, pretty right. – I think when you're 65, 66, you can be pretty solid. But maybe as you start getting older after that, you just don't do as much anymore. Like I don't even know if I run anymore. I jog. Like, hey, I, was saying, I don't know if I run. Put that mic stand down. What are you doing? What's wrong We're with this? We're on video. Just put it down. All the way down and then just angle it up. And I can't that's why it hurts I made, my body. I, got, I, just, I literally got a Sawzall and cut the legs off this table to get it down low enough so that when the mic stand was, it wouldn't be in people's faces. And here you have race. It hurts my body. To lean, to no, you don't have to lean. Ignore it. Just look at me. And so the people on the camera can see your face and your mouth moving. And everything. This studio sucks. <laughs> God. All right, let's who, talk who designed about, this? <laughs> I'm in process of designing it and it will never be complete but um i want to talk about the anxiety and nervousness of are you nervous to play the show tonight uh yes mainly because of remembering lyrics once again i mean i i always have had trouble remembering a lyric here and there but as i get older i get more worried that i just can't remember 
and so it'll be bad. Like, is I, that the worst thing that can happen to you on stage? Just forget a lyric, not sing bad, not, or your voice. It's not bad at forget. all when you're with a uh, full band, like distortion and scream. I can scream nonsense, and it uh-huh. sounds okay. Or I put my mic out to the crowd. If I forget a lyric, it's totally fine. But when it's you and I playing acoustic and it's quiet, yeah. Every yeah. single thing relies on the lyrics and the vocal delivery. And mm-hmm. to me, it, and maybe that's not true, but at least it feels that oh, way to it me. Basically, is so true. so right now I'm, I'm am worried. Like we're doing a cover song tonight, and I'm like, well, I remember the words, and does that matter? Can I play it off? If what what's the joke I can make if I forget the words? <laughs> 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 like it's funny. Uh, sometimes I've thought now. You know how. Uh, Somebody makes fun of you, and you get mad or whatever, and then after you walk away, you go, man, I wish I'd have, I should yeah, have yeah, said yeah. this. Yeah, oh, for sure, yeah. Like, I think about that now because I've played so many shows. I do like, oh, man, if I would have said this, it would have covered that, that well. So I go, if I forget lyrics, that's right. then yeah. maybe I should say this, and that way I'm prepared to say something funny from stage. You know, like a rain delay. You know, when uh, hosts of a baseball game, they probably have a few things they can talk about, but uh-huh. the really good ones, like you go, oh man, this is just as entertaining. Mm-hmm. Wow, there's a rain delay and they're talking and just, yep. it's so good. So I want to be able to do that. So I, I sometimes have a couple of ideas. If I mess up on a cover song or something, I'll go, well, I didn't write this song or, <laughs> you know, I'll just make a joke. What did we do that time? What do you do when you sing Happy Birthday? Was that when Grant was playing bass with us and we messed up on stage and we sang Happy Birthday and yeah. played that off? That Grant, was, what yeah. was that? Grant. Uh, from under oath, we were playing uh, fractions, and uh-huh. that changes from four four to six four, something six eight, whatever. And uh, he, he told, was filling in. Yeah, he was just filling two in two shows. Yeah, playing bass with us. And it was a little, it was a little Christmas tour. Something. Yeah, uh, some reason Joel Joel had to go to Disney World or something with his family. He didn't go on tour with us, <laughs> so thirty year old Joel could go on vacation with his family <laughs> instead of his business. Yeah, and so uh, Grant filled in, and uh, we were at the TLA. Yeah. In uh, Philadelphia, and he totally messed up, and we had to stop in the middle of the song. And so I was like, "What do I do? This is so bad." And I said, "Oh, you know what? Tricked you guys. Actually, I think it's who Matt's birthday or, or Grant's Grant. Birthday, I said it's yeah. Grant's birthday. Come on, we we're surprising Grant here. Happy birthday! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So every, I was yeah. hoping everybody would think they didn't mess up. They just stopped to trick sure. Grant. For yeah, happy I birthday. think that was brilliant because it, yeah. it, it's just such a shift. And it's here's what we're doing, and here's where I'm taking you, which is all yeah. about. It's just the leadership and the confidence. Right. But that worked unbelievable because now. That's a really good trick. In fact, keep that always. Yeah, I will. Just always use that because if I mess up tonight, I might. What if I have to sing six times "Happy Birthday" tonight? (laughs) (laughs) I get nervous about it because all I do, since I'm the backup or the second guy, are singing and play. You know, you're playing the main guitar parts and singing, so all I can do is mess up. That's right. There's nothing I can do. I'm not doing flashy solos, and I don't have any anything. I'm just there to support. So when I mess up, I'm like. What did you even bring this guy for? Yeah, all I'm trying to do is blend in, but every, as soon as I play the wrong keyboard note, I'm I'm an idiot, the, the, which will happen. Playing with just you and me is good for me because it is very easy, like with Emery, to go on autopilot for yeah. shows. Like yeah. I really can. Just I mean, it's just almost, and in some ways, it's better because I don't overthink it. So like this though, I Oof. really do over. Like I'm gonna probably practice a few more times today just by myself and sing over the lyrics and stuff like that because I'm really nervous. So in a way, it's helpful. In a way, it's detrimental because I overthink it, which leads me to uh, then forget because I'm like when I forget stuff, it's usually because I'm thinking I'm going to forget stuff. Yeah. Well, but you More know why though? That. That's because you're not in it. The pre- you're not present anymore. Right. So that's why I can- that's why I have trouble reading. Uh, one of the reasons I have trouble reading is because I'm reading for a second, but then I'm thinking about, am I reading? 
am I reading this right? And right. now I'm not reading anymore, and now I'm lost, and I can't read the nursery rhyme to my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> That's really – if I'm reading out loud, if I'm looking at words on a page, I can kind of get it or stay present. But it's th- doing this kind of show is absolutely – before when you don't have muscle memory and you're literally playing the show with no muscle memory, like you haven't done it a hundred times, you've done it twice, yeah. you just – like it's a, to me the anxiety do you think the anxiety part is also the exactly proportional to the excitement part of the satisfaction of like whoa like uh, you're living you're living you're in it you're pulling it off or not like the anxiety feeds into the satisfaction no <clears throat> no not really like i would be way more sad like when we play a show really well i, I just feel better like no matter what like the anxiety like it just I think for me, I just... Uh, You'd rather have an autopilot show go well than do really good in the moment and not know if it was going to go good or not, you know? Like, it's more satisfying to really pull something off and do a good job than, oh, this is going to be easy, crowd's big, whatever. I just think if I could go total autopilot, that means that everything is going smoothly, so I can't... But you uh, enjoy maybe, the music less if it's autopilot. I don't know. It's not like, I, no, I feel like I'm enjoying the moment because I'm, I'm thinking about all kinds of things, or I'm, I can actually think about the people there... Or what's going on? Like that, that, that to me is a little freeing. Like when I'm only thinking about the lyrics, I just I go uh, like you know how bad I am with names or whatever. Like that same thing going back to what we were just saying. I uh, overthink stuff too much to where I'm thinking, oh, I don't know this person's name. I don't know their name. What? And so I, I actually have been doing like a not meditation, I guess, but like I'll try and clear my mind and go, wait a minute, I know this person's name. I'm just overthinking this and getting really nervous. So. Let me not think about anything. And then oftentimes the name will come to me. That's the way I think of autopilot on stage where I go, wait a minute. I don't have to think, oh, I don't know the next chorus or I don't know the next verse. I mean, or, oh, no, this next song, I think I know how it starts. I think I know how it starts. Uh, okay. Phew. It's always just relief. Like mm-hmm. autopilot for me means, oh, I got this. So I feel like I'm free and can really do it. Well, yeah, but then you just get off stage and, and you realize how many thoughts you had during the set. Like, do you see that girl that was standing over there and that guy? Right. And What do you think about that couple? And I'm like, well, I, I saw that when they got in that fight in the pit. I was right. like, it's just all this stuff that is, wasn't the music you were thinking about. I know. That's fun. That means that the music's just happening and flowing through you yeah. to me. Like, or, I like that. Or even abstract thoughts like get off stage and you've just been think like off in the universe oh, thing, just I know. thinking about something unrelated to anything <laughs> local to where you are right and you realize you've been thinking about that yeah and I sometimes I look down at my fingers and they're playing stuff and I promise you there's no I have no idea what I'm doing like I look at my fingers and they're just doing the thing yeah yeah and just do not I promise you I couldn't tell you what chord it is what note it is anything so it's just that's just the way it is. Yeah, I uh, I notice it the most. Like usually the last show of tour is the most autopilot, and I don't like I don't like the last show of tour because I think oh well tomorrow I got to fly, then I got to get home and do this with the kids and this and this. Like I'm on stage thinking about regular life again. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that is the, oh the last the, the last show is yeah. no good. The first like, show's not good. Yeah, so, first yeah, show's no good because it's all this anxiety that, and yeah. you just aren't that good at yeah. playing whatever set right. you're about to do. Yeah, and you're th- overthinking it probably too. So tonight won't be a good show. No, no, no. it'll be hor- horrific. And this will have aired this later, but so yeah, yeah, you will already know that it was a bad show if you yeah, went and saw yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> if you came to the show, you'll be like, yeah, they were right. I yeah, mean, they, they were, were totally. Right. It was real bad. Toby really messed up bad. So we're gonna re- we're recording this now, and we'll air it next week when the pre order for the record is up. But I wanted to get this before we got on the bus because I wanted to do it in the studio here. But I want we're gonna do a premiere from the record. So it'll be the first time anybody's heard anything from it uh what song do you want to do i think we're going to do pastor stop by 
Okay. And so this one isn't done. I mean, it's, it's a, a rough lot, mix. A rough yeah. mix, but so you're getting to hear it before the song's even different. Uh, it's not finished. It's so not even a final mix or mastered or anything, right. but it's going to give you an early this taste. This will give you a taste. And if you do, okay, let's see. What else are we doing? If you do pre-order the record right now, and I always tell people this, pre-order is the only time that it's even matters. Like it's the, the whole release cycle to uh, us these days is the pre-order. It is the, almost the only time to collect money. After that, it'll just be out and people will stream it and that's totally good. But during the pre-order is actually the only time this really feel is a chance to really make any money or support the band. So that's why we try to make it a big deal. So much so I don't think pre-order yeah. is a good term for it. I wish I had a better term of what to call the time. Because if you, if you pre-order it, which I hate saying pre-order, we'll send you by this point, we'll have some songs mixes done, and we'll just go ahead and send. I think we're going to send out. What do you think, Reed? We're going to send two songs for the pre-order. Yeah, so we're going to have two finished songs for anybody that pre-orders it, which you can do right now as you listen to this, and we'll just do a promo code down for this podcast, and you can get. What do you want to do? Ten percent off. Fifteen percent off. Fifteen percent. So fifteen percent off whatever you get on the pre-order, whether it's the digital or T-shirt, whatever we have, vinyl. And you'll get two of the songs right away today because doesn't matter. We can do whatever we want to. So let's listen to this track, Pastor Stop. But let's talk about it first, though. Why? Did, what yeah. is the song? Why do you want to play this one? So this is the one that I think it kind of captures what we're trying to go for. Like there's some other songs that we thought about playing today, but there, I don't know if it totally captures exactly the, this record. I think this song captures it. Now what's really funny too is I think this is the last song I wrote for the record. Uh -huh. Like we were talking, let's write one more original. And so I wrote this one really quickly, and it's funny. We're talking about Matt Johnson, um, who's playing drums with us tonight. Um, he played drums on this, and he said he remembered me saying this. And at the time, he's like, what? This doesn't make any sense. And then he was like, I totally get it. So this song, I said, I want it to be across from like country music and Radiohead. <laughs> and, and at the time, that sounds like a goofball Did, idiot Was thing that a concept idea you had, or when you wrote it, it just popped in your head, or what? I, well, I was thinking a little bit about that, and then Zach totally kind of led it that way, and I think that's when I said it. Once Zach started working on the music, he got he got the idea. We didn't we weren't trying to write. But a did you have the song. idea that you wanted? Did you have a song that started feeling country and say I want to take it in a direction, or did you say before you even sat down to write the song, I'd like to do this experiment to see if I can pull this off, and then you sat down and wrote it? Well, one of the things I like to do is super heavy, really melodic, almost catchy lyrics, and then very simple music too. So that's the way I wrote this song, and then I knew Zach would bring a whole other mm -hmm. level to it. So it's really cool because he did change I mean this song is just really it's very neat and the the everything about it just is so cool and it really captures the idea like the name of this album is I Quit Church and this whole song is just about a pastor coming by wanting to talk to you you know because you hadn't been at church in a while and what that means and what it looks like and what really your faith is and uh, you know it's kind of sad and yep. it, it's it's very truthful and honest so I wanted people to hear this because I think it captures at least the idea not all the songs sound like this at all but uh, this captures the idea of what this record embodies, what the idea of this record is, I think. Well, a couple things. So Zach that you're referring to is Zach Bolin, who's the producer. So that's one of the things I'm excited about on this is uh, I just kind of had this notion in my head that I wanted it to not be overproduced. And also, I didn't want to even record it or produce it. And I wanted to get some good help outside ear of somebody so less engineer heavy so i thought a cool idea would be to hire and we've been i'm playing around with this idea we did the same thing for devin's record that chris keen did i wanted to hire somebody that's less of a producer and more of a arranger band leader musician so that the 
because the engineer, I don't want it over-engineered anyway. Right. I want it to stay simple. So I want somebody with medium engineering skills, but higher on creativity to just collaborate. Because right. it always kind of goes the other way. You say, I want a producer that'll help us add stuff to the songs. But if they're very engineer heavy, that doesn't, it never really happens that way. So I wanted to have somebody that wasn't even confident in their production and engineering, but was confident in their arranging. So. Right. Well, that That's also that lends itself it. to you end He's up with, with cooler, better sounds, which yep. ends up being better anyway. More like interesting. It, yeah. Like just because you like the idea of working with a, it's great to work with a great engineer, but that means your record will sound good. But this record is going to be dynamic, it's gonna be and you're going to hear things yeah. because an, the the artist is wanting you to hear this part mm-hmm. where it might seem like in, you know inconsequential or whatever. It really is important to hear everything. In this record, you're going to get to hear everything. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely loose. And again, we got a little more probably editing, mixing, oh, yeah. all oh, yeah. stuff this to go. This is not but. a finished product. What you're about to hear. The pastor stopped by this evening. Said they'd miss me at church. Turns out my mama had asked him to come see me at my worst. She's scared that she's losing her baby That her son and heaven won't meet And church is the only place that can help people see But they
favorite things about that is the strings first of all having strings is cool yeah. but the w exact specific way they sound to me is uh it sounds very close to the string recording and style on smashing pumpkins melancholy and the infinite sadness yeah. all the strings on that yeah it's my, always been my favorite and i was real pleasantly surprised to hear that on it but uh, zach did those strings with dan coke's wife's Sister, I think. Hmm. The ones that were at the Christmas party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. then they play with vocal view sometimes. and and those. So they were at our, did at that Christmas party, but those are the people that did the strings on that. Strings are always intimidating to me because, one, I'm not a strings player, and I feel intimidated that it feels like a class of music that is above me. It, it like, is. You know what I mean? It is. Yeah, no, it is. And it is. Yeah. You're right. And so I feel awkward. And then also, because of that, it's super easy for somebody like me to put strings on something and it be cheesy and bad. Yeah, it it brings that down. So being able to work with Zach, who got the idea, yeah. you know, or, or has the idea of what we're trying to pull off, he can do it in a way that's respectful to the quality of what it should sound like. I yes, guess. it is a problem with strings because I like to arrange, and I even like to arrange strings part, and am decent at it. But if you get good strings players, and then you force them to play your parts as a non-string player, even if you like the notes, it's not. It, it feels like you're dumbing it down to make them yes. do a thing. But on the other hand. 
you're not asking them to write the, necessarily the songs or the parts. So it's it, it can you really need to give them enough freedom and figure out how to do it and spend the time so that they can play into their abilities. Unless they're people you're f- right. very familiar with or you're very familiar with string arranging, oh, like yeah. day to day. But well, Zach let them. Like he he just went through some of it with them and had some ideas and they spent enough time kind of crafting it until they just got it what fit. So it yeah. wasn't like notate and say play this or, or or and it wasn't just do whatever you feel like. Right. Well, it, you wouldn't do that with the guitar or mm-hmm. the bass. So why? Like I think a big mistake that a lot of musicians and younger musicians, immature musicians, we made made this mistake too is, <laughs> you go, ooh, this will make the music sound cool having a violin. Right. You don't think, oh, wait a minute, let me create a part. Oh, there's a part that's needed. The violin works there. That's the way you think of, oh, we got to have a guitar here, this distortion part. You think naturally with the music, a lot of times you add some instrument you don't normally play because it'll make it cool. Uh And then that is when it gets cheesy. No, that's the worst when people say strings like, Put some strings on it. Like like it's so, it's just. I know, just something. Yeah. Turn the strings knob up. Or right. something is way a lot. Yeah, of it's like do. delay. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Let's do delay here. Yeah. Oh. Flange. Oh man. Yeah. This flange will be awesome here. And then the music says, but this is. You're right. The way it worked out with this song is, it is an integral part that is needed. There's a part that was needed, and so now the strings get to feel that, just like the guitar or my voice yeah. or anything. It's just as crucial to to it. So that makes it immediately worthwhile and good. Yeah. I don't think people understand strings like the level of difficulty because you. You never hear a violin or a cello, I mean, essentially, you never hear it unless it's a world-class player. Right. Like, and if you do, you know, you're like, holy shit, I thought, like, and they make it sound easy, like, oh, you play the violin or the cello, yeah. and then if you hear anybody in training that's not world-class, <laughs> like, this is horrible. It's, like, way bad, you know? Like, if you ever heard a kid practicing, it's just yeah. miserable. Like, you'll I, be good in 10 totally. years, but you probably should just give up now. I, I've always thought that makes, <laughs> that's why the violin might be the hardest instrument, because it sounds like crap unless you play Perfectly. unbelievably well. That's right. And if you play unbelievably well, it's one it's of the most beautiful yeah. instruments, but they, otherwise they, It really hard. is, I mean, you, you know, I'm not trying to say this is objectively true, but it's very close, I think, to objectively true that the human voice is the ultimate instrument and I think that's pretty obviously true if you count it as an instrument and then the next closest thing to that is the violin in actual tone and timber timbre and voice yeah and uh you know because it's fretless right. you know and it's just it's in the same range as and it's, it's very 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 similar to the human voice basically right and the way it works and comes across and the way maybe even the way your brain keys into it is because it's so it is similar yeah to that but and you know how hard singing is it's not uh, you know singing is the same way people say oh he's good at it it's easy but it isn't easy and it's still you know to be in tune and to slide to that note there's right. ten thousand ways you can go from Sing these four notes. Yeah, it's on guitar. There's right. three ways you can play those four notes. Yeah, well, the, the guitar, for example, it, you, you can be a terrible guitar player and sit around a campfire and play G C D chord, and everybody goes, "Ooh, I, uh, you play the guitar?" Well, yeah. you know, if you pull out the violin around the campfire, everybody's yeah. like, "Oh God, yeah, get away from me!" Like it's that you have to be that good at it. Other instruments, oh yeah, you don't, exactly. You know, when I took strings classes in college, I I did cello and viola. Because I knew there's no chance I'm going to get good at the violin. It's going to sound terrible. So if I bring it down, a, you know, a, a couple of octaves or whatever, I think I can make that sound a little bit better. Even though I did terrible at those two, it, you have to be so precise and with the violin that I was like, I'll never do this. So why would I even spend time playing around with it? It seems Dude. like it's not a real... I have a thing about putting Georgia in violin or something because I regard the instrument so high, but it's pretty impractical. And yeah. you have to go a long way to ever 
make it useful. Like if you could become a good fiddle player that could improvise, oh my gosh, that'd be right. uh, that'd be one of the greatest things possible. But the likelihood of you getting to that level is pretty low. Whereas, I mean, piano and guitar are. So, I mean, piano is so good of an right. instrument. I mean. If you can master piano or even get good at pi- halfway good at piano with your ear and being able to improvise or kind of do jazz chords, if you could get just halfway good at that, which is really hard, of course, right. it's so easy and useful. And, you know, so I, I mean, for sure, it makes it's, it's kind of like learning obscure languages, you know, like if you become the best at some dialect of Ukrainian, I'm sure that would be useful. But other than that, it's not too useful yeah i mean so i can see the idea Spanish, like, you know? like uh, joey's kids they take violin and they say that that helps you the the mental process that you use helps you in other things when you learn the violin I'm like, sure, they, yeah. like they said you know if you learn violin at a young age you realize certain things and it helps you with math or science or something you know just the idea of the pathways that you neural pathways or whatever but to me you're right like i i are you, do you think you're going to sit down and start the process of teaching music to your kids? Yeah, I already started. You do that? Yeah. What do you do? I make Georgia play three notes on the guitar to get a treat. <laughs> what else would you do? And I, make, and I make her sing. I make her play the three notes, and I make her sing. So you, you got sing. that idea from how you treat your dog, right? You're like, it, if he sits, yes. he gets a treat. Right. Okay. Oh, it's called, yeah. It would be called classical conditioning. Right. You know? <laughs> behavioral. Uh, behavior, uh, BF Wait, Skinner so whenever and, you play the guitar... Uh, George's mouth starts watering. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, there's, uh, uh, well, it's just using her innate motivations or something she's semi interested in. But all I'm all I'm trying to do is connect her ear to an instrument, and then a little bit of de- the dexterity right. will eventually come. But right. I, you know, it's like sit, I'll play three things, it's two notes in a row, where you pull pull the str- one on this string, one on this string. It's not good. She can barely make the fret. Yeah, down. it doesn't matter. But um, just to be familiar with it and know, oh, I sing that note. And then I hear that note. Right. That's all. I'm just and give it, whenever whenever she seems interested, I'll do it. It's not yeah. like we don't do it every day or nothing. All my kids like sing a lot. Ike is really good at pitch matching. Like I'll go, yeah. Ike. That's great. Aww. Yeah. And he'll do just it, and then I'll go, Aww. And That's he, right. you know, he he gets yeah. that really quickly. So we do that sometimes. I've been thinking about trying to get them to start just playing the piano a little bit. You know, they just want to bang on it. Yeah. And you know, I just but. make that rule: is you can play piano. I won't tell you what to do, but you can only use one finger at a time. That's good. So idea. you learn it, and I want you to sing what you're playing. Just play it, and then sing. That's a One, great two, idea. Three, four. And she sing, She watched the sound of music and sings Do Re Mi. Yeah, yeah. So she'll sing Do Re Mi Fa Sol La Ti Do. So she gets that and matches the pitches, but she yeah. doesn't understand how you're going to use it later. But for the record, I do not really like that method. I think there's just no reason that you wouldn't make that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's way easier to do. To understand and do, but it's less catchy, I guess. But well, is it though? I don't like thinking yeah. of fa. I like thinking of four. I don't. I like hmm. you know. That's interesting. I wonder if that would have helped me. It's four way, seems so much less interesting though. Like I feel like I'm singing when I say yeah. But I you have to translate. Like so, if you want to do Mary had a little lamb, you can do it. Which is easier? Three, two, one, two, three, 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 two, 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 three, five, five. That's easier. Now try and do it in solfege. Go ahead. I can't. Me Ray. Do, re, you know, you know, you have to think to translate it. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't understand why you wouldn't just do numbers. It sounds way cooler though if you could do it with solfege. No, it doesn't. And it doesn't <laughs> if you apply. sang it, it sounds better than singing. A oh, number. that's what I'm saying. It's more yeah. entertaining right. as a for right. a kid or something. I, I get that. But because oh, then later on, when you're trying to play a chord and you want to play a C, add, uh, you you want to play a C major seven, then that's a C with T on it. No, yeah. it's with a seven on it. Right. It's a seven. 
So it's a B natural, hmm. you know, C That's E really... G B. One, three, five, seven. Not is it, do, me, so, t. But I is mean, that like saying like a something a color has a sound or like you know what is what are yeah. you seeing right now? It's red or you know this sound. Mm-hmm. What how what color would you describe? Is that the same thing like the one is a do? That's like that's what it sounds Just like. Let it be one. I mean, but I get it. either way. I approve of that method of learning uh, matching pitches to syllables and then being able to recall yeah. them and apply them. It's a good. It's Julie a good Andrews method. is a real jerk. Yeah. What a jerk. Oh, wait, what a jerk. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm certainly not going to force the kids to do music. But I think violin lessons would be real expensive and probably no, not going to do that. Good. Like, no. are Joey's kids getting good? No. <laughs> I mean, they've been doing it for years. They did I violin. Yeah. I think they've all moved on to dance and, yeah, right, and yeah. other stuff. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Well, ballet's the same. Yeah. Well, how useless is that? What, are you going to be good at it? No. If you are, so what? I mean, right. you're not even going to be good. So, but it'll help you in all other ways. But the actual thing, you're probably not. I mean, it would, it takes a very there's a very small minority of people that would spend enough time to get good at it. And how about this? If you really were going to be good at ballet, you need to spend way more money and way better teachers and all kinds of stuff. You can't just go to the local ballet studio and get it's good. Useless. What I, I would suggest, if you had the choice between your kids being really into ballet or skateboarding, you'd get a thousand times more out of skateboarding. That should be highly encouraged. It's dexterity, it's fun, it's art, and you can use it. And it's, oh, skaters. But it's it's very similar and way better. You can do it by yourself right. at whatever level. It's social. It's all the same stuff. Well, it's just does, not does that ballet. translate all the way into Everybody's fantasy about their kids being some weird prodigy is going to be pulled yeah. out of the class and go sit straight to Juilliard right. after year three of ballet or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> There's no chance. It doesn't matter how good you are. Yeah, you're not. But does that translate the same way, too, is... Uh, do you need to learn history, or should you figure out how to work on cars? Whatever you like is what you should, right. should do. Whatever you have personal motivation towards is what you should do. So if you like ballet, do it, but it's expensive? Well, or, yeah, or I guess. I'm not saying nobody should do it, but you know, it should not. I mean, it really shouldn't be treated as a higher thing than skateboarding to your kid. Because you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, of course, kids like ballet because they got the frilly dress and you spin around. That's why they like ballet. That's true. That's the only reason they like it. Right. Because it's a pretty girl is on TV, and then when they spin, the dress flies up. Right. I want to go to ballet. That seems cool. And then grandma thinks, my beautiful, perfect, pr-. I mean, that, it's just, it's, right. you know, and it's, it's kind of a joke. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, I mean, it works on some, like this this summer, we're doing swim class, swim lessons. So swimming you can use, so that's a good one. And if they get, I mean, I think my kids could get good at swimming, but Oh, that's swimming. save your life, so yeah, it makes exactly. sense. Exactly. It, it saves your life, you can do all this stuff, and, well, and, and there's no life. pressure there. No. There's no pressure with like, right. well, maybe, you know, it's just, oh yes, yeah, mostly just swimming. Yeah. It's mostly just fun. Maybe that's the way they look at ballet, but I know. I'm not saying don't, people like it, I don't know. Yeah, I, know. I was it. thinking while we're having this conversation with Joey and Priscilla, Joey's wife, would they be mad at us because their daughters do ballet and stuff? And or they, they'd do be whatever like, they want. No, I'm not saying, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that's, uh, I know I come across like I'm saying they are stupid or something. That isn't what I mean, but I'm just offering an alternative way of looking at it a little bit. If but, they, whatever anybody likes right. wants to do, this is great, of course. I hope a lot of people play violin and do ballet and enjoy it you know but ju- i just want people to kind of get it make you sure like, you kind of sound like donald trump just take away all the arts you yeah don't just care about defund them. them all yeah <laughs> shut it down <laughs> you can't take it away it, don't you think uh i know i don't know if we're running out of time here but don't you think that that might actually benefit the arts like i i, I <laughs> have this total idea lately that all these things that people say, we got to fund the arts, we got to fund the arts. If you don't fund them, uh, yeah. more art will happen and it'll be more real and better, possibly. I know that might not be totally true, but I think that people are art have can do art and create 
And usually when they're not funded and they just have to do it by the grit of their teeth and their own uh, mm-hmm. will, it's amazing. Yeah, I just look for the bias and try to kind of make sure we're not going for the obvious thing and at least look at it clearly. But there's not – clearly fun, art funding and art pushing to children is just so easy to sound good. Right. So it's easy to – like, for instance, when they do charities and nonprofits and stuff like that, stuff that sounds like that gets funded unbelievable. And right. stuff that's like feed a kid doesn't. Or right. learn skills that will help a kid in real life doesn't. Right. But violin lessons for inner city kids, give them a million dollars. Uh, so, <laughs> Unlimited. So it's at least overvalued is all I would right. say. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, it just I, I really do think that. Like, if you don't help somebody unbelievable amount, then they have to do some on their own, and then they'll appreciate it more, they'll do more, it will will be better. Now, I'm not saying defund art. I get it. Like I, I really, and that's an untenable position. You had you had to be a monster, right. Donald Trump, to even suggest such a thing, which lets you know it must be uh, thus overvalued because right. you can I only agree. be a villain for speaking out against it. But that, right. you know, yeah. certainly it could be a real conversation. I mean, I grew up not knowing that there was music outside of the radio. So then, when I searched it out through life. And figured it out. Then I was able to create in a way that I didn't, you know, because I I'd never had it before. And I went, oh, I got to have this. So like my hunger for it was, you know, I personal, actually, yeah, m- momentum, right? Is, is and and best, I did it yeah. all, you know. With, yep. I found the people to be in a band with. All the things that I had to do, like no, there wasn't anything that because I was able to be taught. Like I taught myself guitar. I'm yeah, not well, good at it, but I was able to teach myself all that because I was like, well, I got to do it. I have to that's teach, right, learn yeah. guitar. If yeah. I don't learn guitar, I want something's bad. So then not. If, if it would have been paid for, I wouldn't have cared. I, my parents got us piano lessons when I was little. I did terrible at yep. it. I didn't learn. I didn't do anything good. And, and I always thought, well, I guess I'm stupid. I always regret that. But the problem was I didn't have any desire to because yep. it was just too easy. Well, I believe that teaching, literally teaching itself, is exceedingly overvalued. Just the idea of mm. And now education is uh, everything. But Teaching is very, very little insignificant part of yeah. learning. I mean, I'd say this way: teaching is not the best method for learning. No, it's just not. It, it, it that, that's just and the fact and the more you reinforce that, you teach people, you te- literally teach people that they need teaching to right. learn, and that is horrible. Yes, I totally agree with that. Like the like for example, I do a ton. Of car maintenance now because I go, I need to do this. I'm going to, oh, here's where I need to teach. So if I see, like, I love learning. The way you should learn is you get to the point where you go, I don't know where to go. Then you need the teacher. You need, not even necessarily a teacher, though. You need need something there to If you call YouTube a teacher, then sure. But I'm just saying, you know, like, that's not teaching in the classical sense. Right. It's just learning. Yeah, I Learning I'm, is the best. Yeah, teaching is. Eh. But you have there's it's a not the best way to learn. To where you're like, I don't know what to ask so next. Acquiring new information right. to learn, but that doesn't. But teaching implies, you know, what at least teaching like a class and a method and a thing, right? And a universal. It's like that's 1800 shit. I mean, it's yeah. it's whatever. It's I, not. I mean, there's some situations where it's useful. Yeah, training is learning. Detailed, regimented training. That's right. learning. It's not still not necessarily teaching. Coaching right. is kind but of teaching. You need a teacher when you get to a point you don't know. Like, for example, I want my the doctor that's opening me up to have learned from somebody sure. that knew something. Like, you know what I mean? So, but, well, but, what if he learned by some non traditional method, but he was clearly much better than somebody that had a teacher? I mean, it just doesn't matter. I'm not, yeah, of no, course no, I agree with you. And, and the same way as do I want the doctor that's opening me up, he made all D's or C's. No, of you know course, what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, so I, I get it. But what I'm saying is, I think that the 
I mean, do you I'm, count I'm YouTube with... as a teacher? Yes, I okay. do. Well, if you if your definition of teacher is consuming digital media, then like, yes. are you a teacher right now? If somebody learns from this podcast, I mean that that's not really what we mean by when we say teacher. No, teaching. no, no. Yeah, yes. That, that's people what I'm are saying. learning. I, I agree with podcast, you, but they're not being taught. And the classical sense of what a teacher is, you come here and now be quiet, listen to me, this, this, and this, and now here's how, all those things. Yes, I think those those are outdated. What I'm saying is the most time I learn is when I go, oh, I need to learn this. And uh-huh. then I look up online uh, Pro Tools yep. question of how do I expand the After track. After you already have the need for the information, right. yes. and then you yes. get the information that has a category in your brain that it fits in, and right. now it's locked. Whether a teacher's involved or not, it does not matter. 100%. And that's how also, I mean, you take that to re- religion or to Christianity. I love reading the Bible going, wait a minute. I, I'm reading the Bible. I don't know what this means. Let me look. And then I find out information about this, the scripture that I'm reading. And I, I'm there's there's tons of times where I read a scripture and I read one scripture and then do a, sometimes 30, 40 minutes, an hour of searching going, oh, whoa, this person thinks this, this person thinks this. Oh, and then I'm seeking out the teaching as opposed yeah, to the I teaching still was going to necessarily call that teaching unless you found a college lecture that what you do you call that learning uh, yes but i mean there's somebody that's giving me the information who's that person even well, if it's I, digitally there's a real person there going that's I'm what i'm saying teacher. you're inferring the word teaching to be a pr- to be part of the process of learning you're saying if i learn something i must have been taught it but that's a misuse of the, of the term of of the concept, hmm, I don't think so. I think that the person showing me how to change what you're saying is my that O2 sensor in my van that I have to do. I watch that and, and I go, oh, that guy's teaching me now. He doesn't know me. He didn't ask to teach me. He yeah, has a skill it, that he's showing. Maybe like teaching is does teaching show imply a, skill. a person tells you a fact and you learn? I mean, it's just however you come to that knowledge yeah. is learning, and it, teaching may or may not be involved. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think I think we're probably saying the same thing, yeah. but I think that is teaching. I think YouTube, Google, whatever is a person or computer or whatever uh, is showing you a skill. I mean, I think you learn a bit of information. I think you learn almost everything you've ever learned from conversation, like overhearing or participating in conversations. That is where you have, for, for instance, everything you ever learned from your parents was not them teaching you, just being around them. That's almost everything you know comes from that. Your social interact, just interactions obser- yeah. and observation. That is a teaching implies at least that the person's intent was to teach. But you would agree though that you have to be taught at least the simplest things. Like you got to learn the times table. I don't, you need I don't somebody know. to show you that or something. Like you, there's certain I things. I mean, you got to understand. Some you need somebody to show you that the you sign, need to learn the, this the, sign the, the means stop. And then when the walk-in person, you can cross the street. I, or you need to learn that. I'm not saying you don't need to learn it. I just don't know if you need. No, to no, be but you don't know you need to learn it. So if yeah, you walk across the fine. street, you can get hit by a There's car. Something, but if yeah, somebody goes, fine. "Hey, listen, you need to know. You didn't even know to ask the question. Yeah. That hand means stop. Sure. The walking person means There's go." Some, I'm not saying all teaching is wrong or right. anything, but I've tried to think about. It frees people's mind a little bit if they don't necessarily attach teaching to. Now learning. I think, and when, when you program that, you need to go to this school to learn this thing, so that that right. the more you teach people. I ran, wound up in a corner there. I said, "Teach people," but right. the more you attach teaching to to learning, it makes people believe. It, you know, they infer that they can't learn on. Their but own. you have That's a total bias because you hate teachers. Yes, like you I always hate hated teachers. all your teachers. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have a real bias against yeah, them. Like yeah. you don't like them. You think? No, I don't like. But I, I, mean, I mean, I've, had two, to, I've like, had two that I like at least. Right. So but. there is a couple people that impressed you, but if the person doesn't impress you and it's they have the, me, I mean. and they have the title, 
you kind of go after that person. That's yes. a, your natural inclination. Yeah, like if somebody has a title and then you find out, wait a minute, this isn't, I mean, this yes. person teaching geography, I, I'm asking questions. They're acting like they don't know. Who the hell are it, you? It just, I just hate to see people feel like, you know, kind of just pressured into like implicitly being learning that they have to. The only way to learn is from teachers. It's just goofy, as opposed to self learning. Yeah, you definitely uh, probably that, that you war against a system that says, "Hey, you can you have to learn this way." That's the best thing you could have ever done in the 1800s is make a bunch of lectures and school. So we didn't have anything else. I mean, that's right. the best one of the best things that ever happened was mass education by teachers. I agree with in human history. One of the most valuable things that ever happened. Best possible solution. English speaking uh, colonial. Empire did that. One of the best things has ever happened to to the world. Yeah, it was good in the a long time ago. <laughs> We've we have moved on. I think I agree with you. I, look, I I totally believe. Like I wanted to start a college where your whole college career is you look up stuff on YouTube. You say I want to learn about uh, you know whatever it is. I want to learn. learn to a certain extent, you wouldn't want to do this with like maybe a doctor. Maybe you could in the future once it gets better. But say you want to learn about how to be an auto mechanic or whatever. You can training so is very important for me. My education was way better the outside of the classroom. Like you're right, having conversation with you guys, figuring out. Oh wait a minute, if I talk this way, it, it's nicer. Or or oh wait, when I said that, it made people mad. Or interacting with people. So I wanted to start a college where it's just a dormitory, and then there's like one guy that's a counselor, <laughs> like a you know, uh, uh, and says, "Hey, you've been watching the YouTubes. You you follow? Okay." And you just work a regular job, <laughs> and your school is just, but you get to live with other people in a dormitory. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's your whole college experience for four yep. years. Yeah, I'm big on learning and education, but it's, you know, it's just overvalue of teaching. Anyway, uh, we got to go. Yeah, Matt and Toby record. Pre-order it now. You will. You will not be disappointed. It's probably. Oh wait, we got what website? What website oh, yeah. do they got to go to? Mattandtobyband.com, and you get anything you want there. We'll send you two songs right away or within twenty-four. No, probably right away. Yep. Instant. Not even within twenty-four hours. Instant download of two songs. You really will be helping us out, and I'm begging you to yeah, do it and I'm use the promo begging. code down. D-O-W-N for 15% off, and you will have done a good deed yeah. for the day. Please help us. We Don't make us go back to that other band, Emory. We are doing everything we can. My God, it's been how long, Matt? We've been in this band like 15, 16, 17 years. Please don't make us go back to Emory. We want Matt and Toby to be our only band. That uh, Those other guys in that band try and take our money. They're mean. Yep. They're awful. Please. I mean, this is the only band we want to do. We're all over screaming by now, right? Oh God! I mean, I was on, over it in two thousand three. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've hated screaming in music since two thousand three. <laughs> All right, see you later. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, JabberjawMedia.com. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, 
such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Hey there, I'm Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.